evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Wednesday Night Wallop, Season 4, Episode 26. Ryland Turner here, joined, as always, by Kyle Joseph. Kyle, how are you? Doing well. We got another interesting episode of Wednesday Night Wallop. Is that what we're doing? I, I don't... <laughs> Tuesday night something. We, it is It is Wednesday. So, to be fair, to be fair, it is Wednesday. Yeah. Because, you see, we planned to do this on Tuesday, but... Uh, my dumbass forgot that I was recording a podcast that everyone will hear uh, on Halloween this year. Um, and, uh, we, well, we're here Wednesday doing it. So we're, we pretty much we're almost to the to the timeline that we usually do it on Wednesdays. Uh, we are recording Wednesday Night Wallop. Uh, yeah, so nothing much. has changed. Nothing has changed in yeah. our world. I mean, I, I have had an extra 24 hours to process this show, which in this particular show kind of needed it. That 24 hours uh, turned out to be very important. Um, it's true. But before we get into that, we do have a few brief items we'd like to get into and cover in the news that was this week in wrestling news. It is the Wednesday Night Roundup. It's the Wednesday Night Roundup. So only a couple pieces, and they're AEW-focused this week. First of all, Chris Jericho is here to have re-signed to a multi-year deal with AEW. Yeah, this is going to see him uh, with the company through 2025, um, and it's add, it has added um, you know you know producer and uh, whatever camp counselor that they have on their uh, in their behind the scenes situation. No, I, he he's going to be mentoring guys, and I feel like this guy's already been mentoring guys. Like he, he look at the two factions that he's had. Most of them are consisted of young talent. Jake Hager aside, but you know what? Jake Hager has his place. Uh, as we discovered on this episode of Dynamite, one hundred percent. But with all that being said, I mean, I'm I'm not surprised, but I'm I'm happy to see that as opposed to just going back to WWE for that final WrestleMania run and then the Hall of Fame induction. This guy's going to go into this, and I mean, he he very well still could do that, but. I don't know. There's something about uh, something about him signing, especially this far into his career, um, that I, I, I I'm pretty happy about. He's clearly enjoying himself. Everyone on on Smackin' It Raw, the podcast, it, it hates this. Hates this. Uh, <laughs> I don't know that they do because, like, I don't know that they want to see him WWE. And you know, I, I get it. I I you know. Jericho is a difficult figure to sort of uh, wrap your head around, especially outside of the world of wrestling. Yeah. So I don't usually bother. Uh, for me, like, he's putting on pretty good matches. This ROH run has been entertaining at very least. I'm hoping it is a catalyst to um, springboard Daniel Garcia or perhaps someone else. We might be a surprise upset with that somebody uh, from the ROH's past ends up beating Jericho and catching everyone by surprise. I think that would be a cool result of this, too. Um, I don't think Jericho would go away from that, but like there's there's definitely more to this, hopefully. Um, but yeah, I feel like there's... like I've, I've always been said, I've, I've always said I've been a fan of his on commentary. I think he has a great energy for it. I think he's very good at putting people over and making everyone sort of feel like a major star in, the, in that capacity. And, you know, there's a lot of different things you could do with Chris Jericho post-wrestling career, obviously. And so, yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing whatever they want to do with him. And while he's still wrestling, I think it's it's been pretty good. So I'll look forward to more. Absolutely. Other piece of news that we have this week is that the first bit of real fallout we've heard from this, because they have been remarkably silent on this entire thing, but does appear that Ace Steel has been fired. Yes, uh, it would appear that uh, AEW has released him from his contract. And I mean, this... I wonder if this is just the first of many things that's to come about this, because this investigation has been going on quite a long time. Um, and, I, and I can't imagine it still is. I, well, that's as far as they've commented, it is. I know, but like, there's nothing more to do at this point aside from determine what you're going to be doing going forward. And I feel like, yeah, maybe Tony Khan feels like he has time. Um, well, cer certainly the main event scene is is just fine without these guys. So that's true. But like, 
It would have been nice to see Kenny Omega at the Canada show. It, sure, absolutely. I, I agree with you 100%. Um, but I don't know. This is a, I, I was thinking about it the other day, and I, the more and more I think about it, this is the time for Kenny Omega and the Bucks to, to, to jump. Like, not, not for any, you know, money aspirations. Well, I'll put it to you this way. I just read this week that Kenny Omega is 39 years old. And I know that we just talked about Chris Jericho being in his 50s. But the, the work rate is different. And Kenny Omega, I, I don't know if, if I, what I'm saying is if these guys do want that WWE run, if that's it, I don't know them personally. I have ne- never asked them. Uh, I don't know what their resp- wrestling aspirations are. But if they do want that, I don't know. At this point, maybe this would be the time to do it. I mean, Kenny Omega is approaching 40. The, the Bucks are in their, their mid-30s to later 30s. Like, why not? Because you've got guys like AJ Styles and Finn Balor and, and Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows are over there now. Like, your friends are there too. Sure. The thing about it is that for one, Kenny left because he felt like he could do more in wrestling in outside of WWE than he could in. And that's still true today. Whether it's with AEW or not, he can do more outside of WWE than he, he can inside of it. Also, and for the Young Bucks, there has been no indication that I have seen that WWE has really improved things for the tag team division. I mean, that's fair. They're having more tag matches, but it's not building to any kind of tag team titles or tag team division. It's just been more... We need to get more single stars in a single match, so let's have a tag match. But it doesn't seem to be building up tag team wrestling at all. Fair enough. So, I feel like those are the last guys I would think that would end up in WWE, just because it just... Again, does Kenny Omega have people in WWE that he is a big fan of and that he he respects greatly? Of course he does. Like These guys are all friends with each other because, you know... It's easy to find camaraderie with people who are doing the same crazy line of work as you. But it doesn't mean that it's necessarily a good idea. Uh, And this thing, nothing against WWE. I think for a lot of people who are in AEW right now, they would probably find as much or if not more success in WWE than they have been in AEW. It's just, especially with Triple H at the helm, those guys don't feel like that to me. Especially, like, you know, WWE fans have not, have yet to, especially the the more, I'll say, I'll say this. There's a lot of people I think would be impressed by him, having never, I do think a lot of the WWE audience has no idea who he is. Then you have the small, loud, partisan audience who has been saying forever he's not that good because, you know, they're WWE fans. And and then you have the general public who I think it would be interesting to see him have matches against you know Seth Rollins, but like I don't know. I to me I just don't. There's no match in WWE that I feel like Kenny Omega needs to have. The Young Bucks and Kenny Omega versus the New Day. I don't need to see it. First of all, can we at least wait until the New Day is three people again? True, true. I'm not saying that that the you know it has to happen anytime. I, again. This is just me speculating, just kind of not not speculating, but like just thinking about it from a different perspective. And I mean, like honestly, like the other side of it is like this has been going on so long now that I do wonder if it's gonna get brushed under the rug and all these all of these guys are coming back. That's what I think is ultimately gonna happen. I think we're gonna see. The Young Bucks return, I think we're going to see Kenny return, and when he's healthy again, I do think we're going to get another CM Punk run. Whether it's with the title, maybe they don't do that again, but I I do think there's still too much money on the table, and still a few too many CM Punk matches that people would really want to see. True. And, like... That seemed to me like would be a really nice thing to keep certain people around is to say you know what adam cole i know you've been you know frustrated with how things are going but if you do recover from from the injury and if you're feeling like you know we could give you a win over cm punk 
I feel like there's there's a feather in the cap there to having him here that you can get some very high-profile matches that we would still be excited to see. Mm-hmm. I agree. Anyway, um, that's the, that is the roundup. Um, was there anything else you wanted to get to? Yeah, it's time for Dinner Before Dynamite. Hmm. Kyle? What'd you eat? So, are we talking about what did I eat before the podcast? Or are we talking about what did I eat before watching Dynamite? Because those are two different things. Um, I'm going to go with watching Dynamite because I'm interested to know what you had last night and I had tonight. Well, I know what I had tonight, but go on. (laughs) Now I'm trying to remember what I had last night. I don't think it was anything particularly. Oh, yeah. I had grilled cheese last night. Nice. That's a solid play. That's a solid play for Dynamite. So, yeah. Grilled cheese. uh, Had grilled some cheese. uh, Had that. Had... um, um, what else did I have? I think I, I think I had uh, a little bit of ice cream left, so I had some of that too. That was my dinner last night. Excellent, excellent. I tonight before I watch Dynamite, it was free pizza night. It, it my uh, Pizza Hut uh, points had added up to a a free medium pizza, which uh, was doused with Alfredo sauce, uh, grilled chicken, and maple bacon. There you go. Yeah. Um, yeah, I hope that was good. It, it was it was delicious. It was delicious. I find, I've always found that I, I always feel wanting for Alfredo sauce when I go with the Alfredo sauce pizza. I feel like they don't put enough on it. You can add you can have uh, them add extra. That's I know, but it, it costs more. It's fair. It's fair. Anyway, um, enough of that. Let's get into one more segment. It's time for the Wednesday night rundown. realize that we were changing up the music, so I'm going to run this down as quickly as we possibly can. Uh, Death Triangle retained their belts, the trio's title, defeating the best friends. Moxley had a video package sort of talking about his Cincinnati roots and the fact that he was going to be defending his title here. We had a Britt Breaker promo uh, along with Jamie Hayter. One of them is going to be the champion, they say. Tony Storm defeated Hikaru Shida in a match to defend her interim women's championship. We had a post-match attack that involved Britt Baker in a Pittsburgh Steelers jersey in front of a Cincinnati crowd coming down and doing a beatdown. But she was chased off by Soraya. And we also had the returning Riho chase off Jamie Hayter. That was a match set up for next week. Moving on, Renee Paquette was interviewing FTR, swerving our glory came out and challenged them to a match for the number one contendership. Jay Lethal and Darby Allen had a confrontation in which, after the confrontation, Jay Lethal just beat the hell out of Darby Allen and locked him in a figure four while he was underneath uh, a steel door. MJF and William Regal had some promo time. We're going to talk about that later. The Acclaimed were there. And they were talking about their situation and how they were going to challenge for their trademark titles versus trademark match on Rampage. Brian Danielson and Wheeler Yuta were interviewed earlier in the day by Renee Paquette. And Wheeler Yuta had some choice things to say to Brian Danielson. Chris Jericho defending his ROH title, defeating Dalton Castle. In the post-match, Jericho's group jumped Ian Riccoboni, and then uh, he tombstone pile-drove pile uh, Jerry Lynn onto his title. Christian Cage had a video package running down how it's time to get Luchasaurus some gold, and he's done with Jungle Boy, or he's done with Jungle Boy for the time being. The baddies were backstage, and they could not find the title. Apparently Nyla wasn't there, so uh, that's going to get resolved in the future. It's John Rampage. Yes, John Moxley defeated Hangman Page in a match that was stopped short because of an injury, a real-life injury. And in an extended post-match as a result of that real-life injury, we got a challenge where MJF challenged John Moxley to a title match at full gear. So that's the rundown. I can't believe you didn't know we had new music. 
I've been waiting a minute to say or two minutes to say that. Yeah, I've been I've been uh I've been a little bit behind most day. Usually I'm usually up to date on on my listening, but I I was a bit behind on my podcasts because work has been crazy. Anyway, yeah, I'm uh, back into uh, it now. RJ Art. Sorry, RJ is doing some God's work right now on our show. Oh, absolutely, one hundred percent, as as he always does. Hey guys, it's Rylan from Wednesday Night Wallop, and I'm here to talk to you about Spear King. Our producer RJ is is uh, decided to branch himself out and offer his services to anyone who wants to uh, get any audio production done on their podcast. And I think this is a really great thing. Uh, obviously, he's done some fantastic stuff for Wednesday Night Wallop. All of our theme songs, all of our little segment themes, anything music-wise on our show, as well as anything audio production on our show, comes from RJ. And we can't thank this guy enough because he's done like God's work on our show. Uh, if you listen back to the first few episodes of our show, it's not very good. It's not. It, it, it doesn't sound great. But, you know, through time and through learning about producing podcasts, RJ has been able to provide the best sound quality for our podcast as possible. And I, like I said, I'm here to talk to you about Spear King, his company that he's decided to launch. If you've been with Wednesday Night Wallop from the beginning, you could hear the production has improved tenfold. That's all thanks to RJ and Spear King. RJ has worked tediously to hone his production skills from the opening song to the tidbits of music sprinkled throughout the podcast to editing the podcast. Uh, and it's an, uh, entirely due to Spear King Productions and what they've been able to put in to us. Um, they put a royal effort into the podcast, and we know for a fact that we would not be where we are today without his support. Man, you're really jerking yourself off in this, aren't you, RJ? Aren't you? You're jerking yourself off in this one. You deserve to. Jerk yourself off as much as you want to. Um, throughout the time that he's been with us, which has been from the, from the beginning... He has always, always provided us the best possible sound quality, and he's always provided us the best um, advice when it comes to how we're working our mics, how we're where we're sitting, with the room we're in. RJ has the ear for producing content, and he's done such a great job. So if you're interested in getting some of RJ's help, uh, you can find him at spear.king.co on Instagram uh, or at Spear King Music on TikTok. More music is coming soon. Uh, get excited. RJ's releasing some songs in the next while. I may be a part of some of them. Maybe. Stay tuned to find out. If it's not, I mean, we might have a falling out. We won't. I can guarantee you we won't. But no, uh, RJ has done great work for this show. I think you should follow him on all the social media. And if you need help with your podcast, please reach out to RJ Spear and reach out to Spear King. This guy can get you to that next level that you want to be at. So please, 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 please don't forget to reach out to RJ. And don't forget to reach out to Spear King if you're feeling like you need that next level. Let's get into tonight. Uh, let's get into the honorable mentions. I think I'm going to go first. I have a bunch. Yeah, I do too, so have at it. So, uh, Renee, st um, stop it. First of all, Renee was all over the show, which was great. But while Billy Gunn is attempting to do some scissoring, Renee just grabs his hand and stops it. She is she is all about honoring those, uh, those legal embargoes. Mm -hmm. um, and is going to make sure that that stuff gets enforced. Don't need no legal problems. <laughs> um, Jay Lethal's beatdown of of Darby Allen just missed my top five. This was great, and I, I'm not super excited necessarily to see this feud continue. But I feel like this was this was really good. Also, just missing my top five, Wheeler Yuta, his promo on Brian Danielson I thought was really good. I thought he was concise. He made a very good point. Talked about how, you know, Danielson should have seen this whole thing coming with, with Daniel Garcia. And uh, just, like, tell him, you know, this Blackpool Combat Club means something to me. Make it mean something to you. So really challenging Danielson to step up his game, which I thought was great. I also had Jake Hager defending the bucket hat. Uh, he likes that hat. <laughs> and 
And finally, um, Keith Lee saying, er, uh, indubitably, uh, to the FTR to set up that match was fantastic. Um, with on Twitter, Mia Yim confirmed that Keith Lee says indubitably a lot uh, around the house as well. So apparently, this is this is just Keith. He's Lee being a Keith well-spoken Lee. man. Like, and, and and I remember he was on talk as Jericho, and he's talking about how like when he got to the main roster, that was a thing that they're like, no, we, we don't want you to be so like eloquent and well. Why? Why? Yeah. Like, yeah, he just he's got, you know, proper enunciation of everything. He knows big words. He's he's a smart fucking dude. Like, let him be a smart fucking dude. Yeah. <sighs> like, that's the thing about him is he's he's such an interesting character. Yes. I don't know why. Like, Keith Lee to me is just like the total package. I don't know why you would look at him and start like trying to change things. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, Rylan, any honorable mentions you want to mention? I also had Wheeler's uh, promo on Daniel Br- or Brian Danielson. Rather, uh, I thought he, he so much fire from a guy who just a few short weeks back in that first promo with MJF did not seem like he was ready for this. I don't know if it's different backstage and 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 you're, may, maybe you have you know more room for uh, for you know uh, like little mess ups or whatever. I was pre taped too, so it's yeah. possible that it was. But like, but yeah, I thought he was great. Exactly, I thought he his, he was great, and and you're right, he lit a fire under Danielson's ass, and and next week we get him in Guevara. So as much as I'm not you know super high up on the Guevara being on TV train, I I I'm I'm excited for that match regardless. Um, I also had Jay Lethal and Darby Allen segment. I thought that that was great. Every when Jay Lethal speaks, I just I love that guy talking. Just like yeah. he he is he's got the perfect like cadence for everything. Like just the way he he talks to like they, they called him a trash panda. <laughs> like they did. So Sanjay Dad is is an interesting character in himself too. Yes. Um but no, I uh, I have Renee as well. Um and and uh FTR and Swerve in Our Glory. I love their uh, segment back and forth. I thought that was great. But uh, I did want to give an honorable mention. It didn't make my top five, but I I do want to mention it. AEW's med- medical staff and, and and the referee in that match. Uh, they made the right call, and that doesn't happen often in wrestling. Uh, that that is something that is going to be mentioned on my list. Okay, well, absolutely. Um, but yes, one hundred percent agree with you. Um, are you ready to get into it? Kyle, we're 20 minutes into this show. This is going to be a quick This is going to be a quick one. <laughs> <laughs> I'll start with my number five. Are you ready? Let's go. Hikaru Shida and Tony Storm had a good match. They did. They did. I have it in a different uh, spot, but. Um, I, I realize actually we, we didn't actually go over. We usually go over these pre-show. So, uh, did you have it higher up? I did have it at number four. Oh, nice. Good to know. Um, we'll wait till number four then. Why don't you give me your number five? Um, I had Moxley and Hangman. It was an amazing match. It was it was uh, spectacular. I really would love to see them go at it again. Um, it just with that injury at the end. The only reason it's on just it it, it was an uncomfortable scene. And yeah. I just I remember turning on Dynamite last night very briefly to just check out what was going on, and that was what was going on. And it, it was it was a bummer. And not to say that it had any effect on how good the match was, but I wanted to. I wanted it to be on the list, number one. Um, but just be, with that, it was just it. It it, uh, it was uncomfortable to say the very least. And I, I sit. Sorry, go ahead. I I 100% agree with you. I have that as my number two, so I'll talk about it more when we get there. Right. But I think this was given the circumstances. Like first of all, the match was great up until. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Up until the injury, but given the circumstances, I think this was this was a good sign of everything sort of going the way it was supposed to, and AEW figuring out what to do uh, to end the show, uh, given the circumstances. Um, so we'll talk about uh, your number four in just a moment, and then I'll, I'll get a little more into the the women's match. My number four, um, the match was part of it, but just. Everything Dalton Castle. Uh, did you have this higher on your list? I had it at number two. Uh, okay, so we'll talk about it more later. But like more, please. Yeah, I would love. Um, I would love this guy to be a regular character. One hundred percent. Um. So, what was? So let's talk about the women's match here. Yes. Uh, 
I I'm not, I will admittedly say that in Tony Storm's WWE run, I was not a fan. This run as interim champion, though, has turned me into a fan. She's having great matches with every single opponent she's in there with. I thought her and Sheeta killed it. Uh, and, and they were in a hot, tough spot, too, because my initial reaction to this match being placed second was that this is no better than being placed at 9.15. One, I agree with you 100%. And especially after the trios match. Right. Which absolutely. We'll yeah, exactly. We'll get to that as well. Um, but no, I thought that these ladies killed it. And they they kept the crowd active for this, like after the opener match. And I thought that this was great. The the announced team, I have to commend them tenfold for the way that they announced this match. I thought that they made these ladies who were doing big things seem even bigger. Um, so yeah, I really, really enjoyed this match. Hikaru Shida is really showing why she is just one of the all-stars of this women's division. And I'm glad to see, for someone who got lost in the shuffle for so long and has been in America this whole time, you know, throughout the pandemic, she left Japan to come pursue this AEW thing full time and get pushed. And her, you know, the reward for that after her title run was a, a lot of matches on dark, but you know what? Glad to see her getting her roses. Glad to see her getting, you know, she picked up a win last week. She had a title match this week. She was great in it. Her moveset is, I feel like everything that was missing, uh, not that she wasn't, to me, the, the one thing for me that I was, uh, wasn't there for was, uh, her finishing off of a running knee or even the Falcon arrow, to be honest with you. Now she's added two or three really good finishers to her arsenal. She's got a lot of, I mean, she's always had a lot of fire. She can get the crowd going in a big way. She's such a big personality. Uh, tons of charisma, tons of physical talent, technical wrestler to to a strong degree as well. Like, what can you say about Hikaru Shida? She is just the full package. And I, I do want to mention before we get off this match to the return of Riho, I thought uh, was exciting. Although, man, just gingerly making her way down to the ring. <laughs> Um, Riho's, you know, it was good to see Riho diving off of stuff again, which, you know, I'm always here for. She's, Riho is fun. She is fun. And she needs to pick up the pace a little bit, what, but that, but that's all I'm going to say. I, I, I was so happy to see her back though, because she's been in America for a long time. Yeah. Like there's no reason to not have her on the TV and, and she's a former women's champion. Yeah. So absolutely. Let's get her back on TV. And 100%. And I want to see, I would like to see more of her. Uh, you know, Jamie Hader's obviously getting some TV time, which is good to see. But yeah, more of the women's division. Again, a two match, the two match barrier would be a great thing to break. Um, if what's frustrating is you have Jade Cargill here. Mm hmm. Like, and, and I, and what the one thing I will say, like, I'm such a fan of Jade Cargill. She's easily, uh, my front runner for most improved of the year. Uh, I think that her 2022 has been magnificent. Um, but ever since she got that title, it just feels like she has not been prominently put on dynamite no. on, on a regular basis. And, and don't get me wrong. I understand you need strong people for rampage because of the fact that it's, you know, it's on a Friday night at 10 o'clock. You need stars on that show, but it's the same thing I'm seeing with the acclaimed so far. What's so weird far the, about it is that I don't mean to cut you off. It's they're treating it as though there's a roster split, right? And there isn't. Yeah. You don't need to do that. You can have people work, you know, they can do Wednesday one week and do Friday another week. You don't, like, it's the same thing with seeing FTR having matches on Rampage. Like, yes, you need to have matches on people on Rampage. But show them on both, you know? Right. Put, I agree. Like, alternate the who's going on Rampage and who's going on Dynamite. Because, I like, to me, Dynamite or Rampage doesn't need to be the B show. And I don't think it really necessarily is a B show. It's just another hour. So it just it, what it feels like to me is it doesn't it doesn't feel like a B show. It's just like, hey, this is Dynamite Extra. Yeah. And it's I've, the Dalton Castle of Dynamite. <laughs> <laughs> Except like, yeah, it's it just needs um 
I unless you want to split the roster, which I don't think you should do, I or if you want to, you know, maybe you can have something specifically for Rampage and say, you know, we're gonna have this title or whatever it is defended on Rampage. But like having hooks being tied to Rampage and Jade Cargill and some of the other people who have been, you know, Rampage exclusive, it doesn't make sense to me. Because I feel like, and I know there's an uh, there's an element of you know people getting to see people consistently, which I'm sure that's great. I feel like wrestling fans like the variety, mm-hmm. and I feel like like for example, um, you know you had like there's no reason you couldn't have Chris Jericho and Dalton Castle. I'm glad we got to see it. It was a great match. There's no reason you couldn't have this match happen on. Um, on on a dynamite or on a rampage. Yeah, I agree. I agree, and, and and I feel like that even adds a little bit more. That's a Ring of Honor title match on dynamite, or sorry, on on rampage. Yeah, and you had Claudio there doing it, so you know why not Jericho? We'll move on. That's just that figured it was worth mentioning while we're there. Um, number three. Because uh, I think we're going to talk about uh, our number. I'll, we'll talk about Dalton Castle a little later. Um, I had best friends in Death Triangle. Same thing. I, I had the same thing. That match was tremendous. I didn't think that this match was going to be topped. Um, I thought I think it was going to be it was going to be hard to top. It was like as soon as I finished watching, I'm like, ooh, that's going to be hard to top for number one. And I, I did find a couple things that I thought were were a bit were better than it, but. This is a really good match showing off both these teams. Also the, you know, the little tease of some disharmony between the the Lucha Bros and and Pac, which I think is interesting. I do I'm interested to see the story. Um now I would personally love it if AEW subverted my expectations and had Pac decide that friends were more important than uh the Ringhammer. But <laughs> whatever decision they want to go with this particular thing, I'm all for. Because you know what, as you know, I love Death Triangle. I think they're a really great act. They're they're very unique. It's you know because it would be so tempting to get another Lucha Star and pair them with L- the Lucha Bros, right? Mm-hmm. It would have been so tempting to put Andrade with them, or to put, you know, now you've got Roosh, you could put him with them, or whatever it would have been. There's a lot of people you could have put in that spot, and it would be, you know, it would be good, it would absolutely work, but to have this, you know, guy from Northern England who just happens to be, you know, one of the most phenomenal wrestlers in, in, in the world right now, have him working with this group, it... it it's a weird fit, but it is a fit because he can do as much of the lucha offense as as uh, they can, and he also he first of all he's a great he's a great promo as well in his unique creepy way, and he adds an element to those guys that you don't otherwise see. Like with Pentagon Dark, a little bit you see that kind of you know shadowy. Uh, element or, or whatever it is, but I feel like Pac just adds something to the team that is fantastic, and he can go as well as these guys can. Absolutely, absolutely. And this match was just—I uh, can't, I can't, you know, possibly put into words how excited I was when I saw that this match was announced. Like, and we got like a lot of great offense from the best friends. We got uh, that uh, assisted um, like rear pile driver that Trent does, having Chucky jump on on top of them. The the strong zero. Yes, the strong zero. Um, we got a lot. We got some Orange Cassidy firing up. We also got Pac sort of continuing his frustration with Orange Cassidy, which I thought was really good. Right. Um, yeah, this was this was really interesting. I, the the finish was uh, kind of predictable. I don't think I still. I also don't think it undercuts Orange Cassidy's victory. Also, Orange Cassidy carrying his title down the backpack. Yeah, I was going to mention this. I I don't know how I feel about it yet. I'm a big fan. It's it fits his character because he doesn't want to have to bear the burden of having to wear a belt all the way down the to the ring. I just so figured he, he would the backpack. I just figured he would just drag it to the ring. Like I mean, there was, there's there's also that, but I do think you don't want to necessarily 
like don't want to treat the belt that way but like, right and i think I that's the only thing that. preventing i think that's where the backpack came into play i'll bet that was his original idea and then they were like mm, yeah maybe get a backpack and, also, and he just went chris statlander was there on on his championship winning night to bring him the backpack which was really cool that's excellent that's i excellent. wish that was on tv too um we will carry on. Uh, yeah, nothing more to say about this. This is just a fire match to start the show. Yes. Number two, I had uh, Paige and Moxley here. First of all, this match was building up to be a fantastic match, which I thought was really, really good. And then on top of that, I have to give credit to everybody involved. Stopping the match was the right decision. It sucks to do. Yeah. Nobody wants it, but it's the right thing to do. And make sure that you know. Make sure that Paige is good. Check him out. Make sure that like err on the side of of caution always. And it is a it's a reminder that you know wrestling's dangerous, mm-hmm. and even the stuff that we kind of take for granted, like it, you know uh, a a flip sell to a lariat is something that Hangman Page has probably done, you know, a thousand times. And it just takes that one, you know, slightly missed rotation or whatever it happens to be, some combination of something that turns that into a very, very dangerous stunt. And with the way Hangman Page was building momentum right now, it was a shame that it's... It is that he had to, that, you know, he's going to have to slow down for a little bit. I imagine that he's going to be off TV for a little while, but honestly, I'm excited to see him when he comes back. And man, he has been a fantastic character these last couple months. I would very much like to see him conclude his year with something, something nice. Yeah. Uh, it's been re- revealed that it's, it's a concussion. It's, it's yeah. not, nothing to do with the neck, thankfully. Yeah, uh, and there was, and, and and I will say, like, it this match absolutely fantastic match leading up to a great, and, and like you said, like it's sometimes it's the simplest things that can go wrong, and the, the and not to say that like taking taking a flip sell off a a, a clothesline is a simple thing, but like. It's like you said, we take it for granted. We take a spot like that for granted when we're seeing 450 splashes and and, and yeah. shooting star presses and stuff like that. And, you know, like he did. He has come out on uh, online and said that he's oh, he's doing OK. He told everybody what he had for lunch, yeah. um, which is hopefully I, not. Th- Paninis are great. Now. Yeah, <laughs> um, I. I, and I'm happy to see that he is doing well. Um, and, and like you said, like everyone involved, like we've talked about it on the show before in this case of a concussion, in the case of, you know, an injury where a wrestler just wants to keep going. You have to take that away from them. And I don't mean it to piss off any wrestler, but it, it's it's your own. It's for your own good. Also, I will say this. The outpouring of support online. Yes. In the immediate aftermath. Again, just goes to show, I mean, not only that this was the right decision to be made, but just how big a deal Hangman Page has become. MJF broke kayfabe for this. Yeah. Like, that's, and I know that that seems silly, but, like, that's a big deal. I mean, got a big shout out from Big E, which was, you know, Big E's just a class dude. So, that's, and as somebody who, you know, the immediate thought is, like, that was the first thing you thought of. What, or at least the first thing that came to my mind when um, when this happened was, oh god, this is another you know amazing wrestler that I'm a huge fan of, and this is be a, another tragic situation where he's you know it could be a terrible neck injury. Hopefully the concussion's not too bad. Obviously those things are so like the timeline. Well, that's what Adam. That's what Adam Cole's out with right now. Yeah, the timeline on a concussion is two weeks to the rest of your life so like it's one of those things that we're not gonna i'm not gonna take this for granted obviously it sucks that he has a concussion hopefully he's able to get back into it but the most important thing obviously is that he is able to be okay Mm -hmm. and that's that's the biggest thing is that you know that's more important than any of any of this is ever going to be and again this is a reminder that man is there a better homegrown at least i don't know if i need the qualifier but 
character in AEW than Adam Page. He's, you'd be hard. You'd be hard to argue anyone else. Um, man, he's especially is like he's the baby face we need right now. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, yeah, enough enough said about that. Um, hopefully, he is going to be able to recover. Rylan, um, let's talk about Dalton Castle. Yes, yes. Uh, this was so like I've I've seen Dalton Cast, uh, Castle matches hundreds of times. He's the one who took the title off Cody. Um, yes, yes. And he had a decent run with it, I believe, into the pandemic. Um, I'm not 100 percent on that, but that's as far as I can remember. I believe he actually vacated the title due to injury. But regardless, it's been a long time since I've seen Dalton Castle and the boys. And there were many, many, many boys. So many boys. There were several. There were several. I mean, it's interesting. Dalton Castle and the boys are the current trios champions. Yes, they are. <laughs> <laughs> and the only one who knows their, the bo- those two boys in spe- uh, specifically uh, names uh, is Ian Riccoboni. Yeah. Um, who like I think I, I Williams was, brothers? I can't remember their their actually their I don't is it Tate right? I I have Brandon no idea something Tate. I can't remember their names, but yeah, I would have to look it up. Um, cer- certain spots in this match, like uh, Dalton Castle reversing Jericho, throwing him into the side of the apron by just spinning around and hitting him with a Hurricane Rana. That was slow, but so Dalton Castle. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the suplexes that Castle was hitting were just picture perfect. Yeah. Like this guy looks like he's just been ready to go for a long time. And this is a spot on national TV with one of the biggest wrestling legends in the world. And he just showed out. He and showed out and Jericho gave him everything. I will say this. It is impressive to out pageantry Chris Jericho. Um, yeah. On the entrance and everything else that he was this doing guy with. is. It is literally like a peacock strutting down to the ring. But, but yeah, Dalton Castle, I, I thought this was fantastic. I would, I'd like to see more of him, obviously. Whether it's going to be in an ROH capacity or whether he's going to be uh, spend more time in AEW, whatever it happens to be, uh, I'm looking forward to, to whatever they're going to do next with him. And yeah, um, I wouldn't mind seeing him and the boys wrestle for the trios titles. Why not? Um I don't know if we need a reunification, but yeah, you know, we'll we'll figure something out. Whatever they want to do, but yeah, this was a lot of fun. Jake Hager, obviously, uh, with the bucket hat. I mentioned it before in the honorable mentions. Yes, that was a lot of fun. Um, the the best is is Taz reacting to the boys beating up Jake Hager, just going like, "What is going on over here?" <laughs> and that's when they stole the bucket hat, and Jake just powered up, hulked up, and just started beating the fuck out of these four boys. Yes, and and then took the hat, put it back on his head, and went, "I like this hat," and which is his new this his new single line, which it works, mm-hmm. man. He's quietly remains a highly entertaining part of this. It, what, what's amazing to me is Jake Hager has uh, done better saying less in AEW than he did saying tons in WWE. And that was the thing is like he's got surprisingly good comedic timing. It's yes. just all about, you know, knowing when is the right time. And he, again, he does have good comedic timings for a guy who doesn't need to say a lot. For heavy, especially. Yes. Um, I feel like our number ones are going to be the same. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, I I included both parts of this, but just like everything to do with MJF this week was phenomenal. And I will say this: after the promo that MJF cut on William Regal, I did not expect William Regal to fire back quite as hard as he did. And it was so good. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, that's the thing is you gave MJF a live mic for like seven minutes to just tear this guy down, bring up like real life, legit stuff, uh, throw it in his face. And Regal smiled the entire time and was like, I'm ready for you. Yeah. And and just delivered a smackdown. And to the point where like producer RJ does not comment on Dynamite very often. <laughs> but when the next day he lights up the group chat with, oh, that Sunshine promo was great. It was uh, you, so you know it's good. good. Yeah. That that's I, that's on a short list for me for promo of the year. 
Yeah, I agree 100%. And it's like, one of the things about um, MJF right now as a face is that you know when he when he does some of these uh these fire promos or whatever it is a lot of the people who he he fires against don't really have anything that they can really say back to him aside from you know like what you know and there's a thing where the crowd was against William Regal for a mm-hmm. bit here like MJF, they booed him pretty bad the, MJF had him in the palm of, of his hand or had this crowd in the palm of his hand and was delivering a fantastic promo and Regal Ever the professional just comes right back with ev- saying everything he needs to, and I was wondering what the door was going to be that needed to be opened that allows MJF to become a babyface. And blessed be to William Regal for being the guy to kick that door wide open. When Regal turned his back to MJF, he took yeah. the crowd back. And like you just use the reference uh, with the door, that door was open when 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 he turned his back to MJF. I think. Yeah, one hundred percent. This guy is is a ready made baby face, top of the line guy, and he is going to fucking do ratings. He's gonna sell out arenas. You watch the New Jersey. Get ready because yeah. John Moxley and MJF round two is gonna be a lot different than round one, and it's gonna be. It's in, it's in New Jersey, right? Yes. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that crowd is going to be so behind MJF. Yes, there. And it's going to be the moment. Like, you can't fuck this up. You no. can't WWE this. This has to be the crowning moment for MJF. Give Moxley his fucking vacation. For the love of God. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, give, we can have, we can have, uh, we've had Alex Marvez back there doing interviews for a while in Shivani. Renee doesn't need to do can can take a few weeks off and they can enjoy some time um you know some time away from it um but yeah this this was fantastic seeing MJF with the ring and you know standing there and and William Regal turned away knowing full well you're not going to hit me you don't have it in you and the line of you still have a lot to prove and then just drops the mic and walks out. I'm yeah. like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Like, I almost want William Regal versus MJF. You know what I mean? Like, there's <laughs> yeah, always yeah. a small part of me that I'm just like, let's see that. Let's go. But that, the thing is, I like, it's a reminder of the kind. And, and Regal talked about his own history, too. How, like, you know, this is. Like we live in a different world than, than, than you do. Like, I lived in a different world than you did, man. And to, like, it is a, a fascinating reminder that William Regal, when he needs to be, is an absolute bona fide legend on the mic. He's been, and what's fascinating to me is like, you know, you can ask him to do anything. Like the comedy stuff has been golden. Uh, I mean, he's been, he's been flirting with the head commentator for the last several months. That's been fantastic. He can be like, he's, and then he's the guy, he's that same guy who stared down Moxley and Brian Danielson, slapped them both in the face and had them, you know, caught and was the one to break up that fight. Like it's amazing. The range that William Regal has, um, in his ability to do, like in his ability to do to do this job, and it's a range that he's always demonstrated. He's always been had a great comedic timing. He's always had a great, uh, you know, understanding of when wrestling deserves to be funny, and he always always had a great ability to get serious when it's time to get serious. Absolutely, and yeah, uh, the gentleman's heel. Uh, I can't remember what exactly his uh, his term his terminology was, but yeah. This was fantastic. Uh, easy. And MJF's promo was so good before that, too. You know? like, And this was... But it was really great to see. Um, yeah, I don't have anything more to say about this. This was fantastic. <laughs> it was it was great. MJF's promo, like I said, they gave him seven minutes where he just ran this guy down. Talked about how Regal uh, basically shunned him after three months of him telling him to send him uh, a promo and a match. And told him that, you know, he needed to go out and make himself a star. And MJF did just that. 
Yeah. So, so I mean, again, th- this this promo itself, I, I thought fantastic. Uh, definitely my number one for this week. Kyle, what are you going to give this episode of Dynamite? I have no idea. Um, and I'm trying to like, and this is the thing: we've had two straight weeks of them of, of it being a five. And I will say, I don't think that this was quite where the last one was. And I. I, I I feel like for me I'm gonna throw out the uh, the page and Moxley match because the counter towards a rating isn't gonna be fair, um, but there really wasn't anything else bad that happened on this show. Overall, there was this is a pretty you know great show, and even the recovery at the end. Man, are you lucky to have John Moxley and MJF be the people who get to have a live mic at the end to to cover you for the last ten minutes of this? That's a five. It was a really great show. I'm gonna give it a. I'm gonna give it a four point five. Uh, I didn't like feel as strongly as I did about uh, the Toronto show, but it had nothing to do with the in ring stuff. It's just it, it for me. Like this was a great show, and it continues to be a great show heading into full gear. Um, I'm excited for the next few weeks, minus the one week I'm off. Yeah, we're uh, we're cruising into towards November, and it's it's going to be good. We've got a lot of a lot of good wrestling ahead of us, no doubt. Um, Kyle, why don't you tell the fine folks who listen to this podcast every single week where to find us on the social media? On Twitter at WN Wallop, Instagram WN Wallop, on Facebook search Wednesday at Wallop. My name, Rylan's name, that's us. You can, you can go to chat with us there. Um, if you want to find me on Twitter, it is at Legendary KJ. That is L E R E G E N D A R Y K J. Rylan, where can they find you? Hey, if you want to find me on Twitter, you can find me at, at R Y A M Sport Report. Kyle, with that being said, uh, I think you should send the fine folks home happy. Thank you very much to each and every one of you who have listened to the end of this show. We appreciate you greatly, and you have been walloped. Good night! You have been listening to a Wallop Media podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Wallop Media. The hosts of our shows are Rylan, Kyle, and DK. You can find Rylan on Twitter at RylanWallop and Kyle on Twitter at KyleWallop. Production is by RJ Spearin. You can find his work at Facebook.com slash SpearKingCO. Logo designs are by Maisie Mulder. You can find her work on her website, MaisieMulderDesigns.com. Our podcasts are hosted by Acast. You can listen to them on the podcast catcher of your choice or on our website, Shows.Acast.com slash WallopMedia.